I hope to be speaking to you guys today about the fatherhood of God. Um, but more specifically, uh, the fatherhood of God in in our prayer to Him. So that is to say, in our life of prayer, I hope to be focusing in on how the fatherhood of God relates to our praying. Now, I trust at this point that you all have not become bored or <clears throat> bored of this topic of prayer. I know we've spoken about effectual prayer. We've spoken about obtaining answers in prayer. Then if you guys tend on Wednesdays, um, it's what we do, right? And it's and I preface with a, a brief discussion about prayer um, before we engage in its activity. Um, but there's a reason for that. Um, hold on one moment. Um, I just want to let you guys know, just in case, if you guys join, um, in your guys's okay, here we go. Um, your guys's mics. I just didn't want you guys to speak out of turn, uh, speak, and you say something that you regret everyone else hearing. So, uh, just make sure your mics are muted if you don't want to be heard. Um, uh, we we had a. <laughs> A sister some time back that had said something uh you know she was calling for her mom and uh it was really funny <laughs> anyways um <coughs> um i trust that we're not bored of this of this of this topic and um you're gonna gain insight into to to reconciling Ideas and that's God's fatherhood and us praying. And <clears throat> there's a reason for this. Okay, there, there's a significant reason for this. Um, one of my greatest experience, one of my experiences in the body of Christ, is that that the believers have the greatest trouble in. It's this here. Um, Generally speaking, I have not found that believers have a trouble reading the scriptures. It's not has not been my experience <clears throat> that believers have a difficulty listening to uh, sermons or even attending church or even uh, giving to charity, uh, giving up money, um, and things like that. The biggest difficulty I have found is is this question is what does your prayer life look like um in fact can you can you by a you know a number of fingers point to things that you've prayed for that have been answered or is it is it a struggle do you do you find a difficulty giving yourself to this holy art um and so questions like that i have found to be troubling to some of us because if we're honest i think um the majority would confess you know i don't pray as i ought or i don't find it the easiest thing to do or sometimes i feel like i'm speaking to myself but let me let me assure you that if you don't and, and here's another reason why <clears throat> i'm harping on this time and time again is because if this is not intact, when you do get attacked by the devil, 
you will falter, you will fail, you will come up short, you will get exhausted, you will find yourself confused. The life of a Christian is not a life of assessment by the intellect. It's not a matter of analyzing things. It is far much more than just my analyzation or my assessment of different scenarios or, or uh, uh, the choice between two different options. It is primarily a life living led by the Holy Spirit. Being led of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and the pray, praying and communing with God, abiding with the Lord in that secret place is the necessary um, tool that is used to cultivate your, your ear so you can hear what the Spirit is saying. Not what the text says. And as important as we ought to be students of the Bible and know what the written text says, I have seen it time and time again. There are many believers that are unable to hear the Spirit of God behind the text. And as a consequence, what you get are religious people that may even be sincere that are coming from a wrong source. The source that they're coming from is human zeal, human passion, or even fear. They preach out of fear. They live out of fear. They live out of human zeal. But they do not live out of intimacy with God and a confidence that the Lord is their Father. Do you see? <clears throat> Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> Can I get a clapping hands or uh, prayer hands or I'm, I'm, I'm tuned in or I'm hearing what is being said? Um, don't throw stones at me. You do anything, but don't throw stones. <laughs> Praise God. And let me just say, you know, just those little emojis and stuff helps to elicit feedback so I know that I'm not just preaching to a lot of... Uh, frozen pictures on your screen you know what i'm saying it's it gives me a little more human interaction <laughs> you get you know so <clears throat> but i will do my best <clears throat> and so and that's why you know that's why i have seen in many cases and we'll get to prayer here shortly and we'll come to the text but i wanted to preface by saying this man I want us, most importantly, to be a prayerful people. And I, I don't believe in just having a, a series of little lectures to store up your head. Because I would be doing a disservice to you. This has to be your way of life. Has to. <clears throat> Because there are certain things that will not come, certain blessings that will not come into your life until you learn how to come before your Father. There are certain things that will continue to plague you, to continue to assail you, continue to assault you and torment you. 
And you will live in fear. You will live in uncertainty. You will live in doubt until you know your father enough in that secret place to where you know that you know that you know that you that you have an understanding of his voice. You have an understanding of his character. That you're intimate with the living God. And no devil in hell can thwart or, or abort or take away from that. <clears throat> this is something I had to learn early. As as young as as eighteen, I, I I got saved at seventeen, but I kept getting battered by the devil, get slugged by the devil, kept getting knocked out by the enemy and falling. And I realized that just because I had an initial infilling of the Spirit of God, that that was not enough. I needed to continue to come to the Lord time and time and time again so that I may be filled with His Holy Spirit. It is a daily walk. It is a daily bread. It is daily sustenance that we obtain from God in order to successfully live the Christian life. That is why no no matter what preacher knows his Greek and Hebrew, the primary question is this. My eyes just roll unless they really know their God. I don't care how much apologetics, how much Greek, how much the Bible. If you can quote the entire New Testament in its original Greek, it matters nothing because no demon in hell fears you if you don't know your God. They don't. You're irrelevant. You're irrelevant to suffering souls. And you're irrelevant to the kingdom of darkness because they, you're not even on their radar. Because your Christian life is as only as strong as your communion with the living God. Because your strength comes from that omnipotent hand of sovereignty. And if you do not come to Him to move and intervene in your life, all you are left with is your strength, your resources, your knowledge, and your intellect. Your zeal. And it fails. And I pray that your the uh, eyes of your understanding may be open today that you would not trust in the arm of the flesh. You would not trust in the arm of the flesh. <clears throat> so, the task here is to continue to chisel us because there's so many things that could be said about prayer. Importunity in prayer, praying the will of God in prayer, being kingdom-minded in prayer, right? Praying in tongues, that's another uh, topic. Perseverance. Declarations in prayer. Confessions in prayer. Praise in prayer. So there's so much that can be said. It is a topic that you will continue to exhaust by study and by practice from now to eternity. When you get to eternity, the only thing that you will not do that you're doing now is praying. There will be no need for prayer in heaven. We will praise and worship the Lord, but there will be no need. So right now, ought we not to give our utmost to this? Okay. And so, 
I want to pray for us and I want us to eliminate any form of distractions as possible. I understand some of us are home and we have children, but insofar as it depends upon you, I would ask that you eliminate distractions. And here's why is a we must have and cultivate an atmosphere and a culture of reverence. See, what you must understand is every time you come under the preaching of God's word, it's not only for the purposes of us being able to say that God moved, but it's also that understanding may be imparted to you because this is an investment into your eternal destiny. You can go to college and and just concoct something at the last minute and 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 just get in enough information and jam it in to your exam and pass but here's something if you do not learn and graduate from the school of prayer you will go down 10 years in your life as a christian and you would wish you had gone back and learned these basics because once you're already in the profession now you got some trouble Do you understand that? If you do not master prayer now so that when you get married, you're going to run into some problems because you did not graduate from these fundamental (coughs) pillar-like basics. (coughs) It's like a man who has not learned character but has gone into the ministry. He's going to run into some significant problems. So I don't care what course you take had taken how much knowledge you have. If these pillars are not intact, that house will not remain standing. And let me assure you this, that prayer is one of those pillars. It is. You will not last without it. Write this down, put it on the tablets of your hearts. You will not last without it. The devil will turn you into a cowering wimp until he bombards you into a fetal position in the corner. And until you learn to put up your knuckles and put up your fists and say, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm going to war in the closet. I'm going to war in prayer. You will remain defeated. I assure you. I assure you. So let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and I just glorify your holy and your precious name. Father, I pray that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. I pray, Lord God, that you would grant an impartation of understanding and wisdom, that they would be fully assured in all of the will of God. Father, I pray that their knowledge would increase more in love. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come in this meeting and begin to convict the hearts of your people, but begin to also assure the hearts of your people as well, Lord. Father, I pray that you would remove all distractions, Lord. I pray that you would captivate the attention of your people. I pray that even now your Holy Spirit would begin to come in a tangible way. I pray that you would break yokes, that you would break bondages, that you would break everything that the devil has attempted to place on our lives to keep us in oppression. 
to keep us in bondage. Uh, Father, I pray that every person that is dealing with despair, that is dealing with depression, that is dealing with hopelessness, that is dealing with fear, that is dealing with uncertainty, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak from your Holy Spirit, for your words are spirit, and they are life, and they would be communicated to the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord that they may have a dispelling of all that is contrary to who you are, Lord. I pray that you would impart to them a sound mind, a spirit, Lord, not of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Empower your people. Lord, I pray that you would teach us of your fatherhood today. Grant us the revelation of who you are in truth. And I pray, Lord, that the details of our lives would be laid bare. I pray that you would empower me, that you would give me, Lord, the ability to proclaim this in such a manner that they would know with beyond a shadow of a doubt that God the Father has spoken to their hearts. That, God would, that Lord, you would speak through me. And that they would ignore me as an imperfect vessel. And they would be conscious of you. Lord, I pray that you would speak in a prophetic way. That you would give them direction for their life. That you would give them victory for their life. Father, I pray that you would teach them the principles of the kingdom. And that they would be able, by obtaining these keys, Lord, to unlock those closed doors that have remained locked for perhaps even decades and, and years or even months that refuse to open. Lord, teach us, Father, I teach us to pray. Like the disciples asked, Lord, teach us. Teach us to abide. Teach us to wait. Teach us of your love, Lord. May your love be shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, and I just ask of you right now that you would come in our midst, that you would cultivate a spirit of reverence and respect and honor of who you are, Lord. <clears throat> in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We'll, we'll pray for that after, my brother. Sorry, I'm just seeing this. I have my eyes closed. <laughs> I sometimes try to pray with my eyes open, but it don't work for me very well. <laughs> you know, there's really nothing to it, I guess. The Bible doesn't say have your eyes closed, but it's just one of those things, you know. But I want to ask that we would turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Last night I was in prayer, and I was seeking the Lord, and He assured me <clears throat> that there will be some things that will be said that will be very sensitive to us, but if you open up your heart, that you will find healing. You will find healing in your heart. Because... Uh, a a very important topic will be his fatherhood and some of us believe with all my heart that he spoke to me and said and this this could be taken as a general thing and you know 
So, well, there's nothing very insightful about that, but the results and the fruit will show that because of our father wounds, there are certain things that you need to hear today about this very topic. <clears throat> and if embraced, you will receive healing in your heart. And that's necessary because some of you, your wheels are turning, man. Some of your wheels continue to turn and turn and turn and you get nowhere. But I want us to take a look there at uh, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse 5. And let us read. It says, and when you pray, let's stop there, right there at that first clause. First of all, <coughs> Jesus says when you pray. He doesn't say if. Jesus is already beginning from the stance, the, the starting point of assuming that there will be the time when you do pray. Similar to fasting. Jesus doesn't say if you fast, but he says when you fast. Right? So from the mind of Christ, he is already presupposing, he's assuming that there will be a particular time wherein you pray because it is not an option to him. It's commanded in the scriptures. It is a way of life for the master and it should be a way of life for us. So he says, when you pray. Now notice, I, I, I want you to pay in mind that this is answering the disciples after the disciples had already asked them to teach him to pray. Okay, um, they, they requested from the Lord, we need you to teach us. Do you understand why? It wasn't because Jesus just prayed and there was nothing fruitful in his life from that practice. It was precisely for the reason that Jesus had obtained answers. He had obtained power to do what he has done, what no average man was able to do. So the advantage, while he was God in the flesh, he was nonetheless a man dependent upon the Holy Spirit. This is what we say in theology, he was the God-man. He's 100% God and 100% man. I don't intend on going into that philosophically, try to explain all that stuff. It's enough to say that he was the God-man. And so he was a man reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is that reason... He had prayed as often as he did. He could be found reclusing from the rest of his disciples to slip into his place of continual resort. He would go to the garden to pray. He would slip away from all the people. And this is how you know that you've cultivated an ear to hear the Lord, especially if God has called you to the ministry. Because the temptation of ministers is to give more time to the people than they give to God. But Jesus said, you know what? I need to give more time to the Father than I give time for men. Prophets were known as men, not, not men of men. They were known and called to and referred as men of God. That's a man of God. And one of the indicators that is indispensable, that is characteristic of every prophet, or every Christian in general, is that they pray. 
Elijah the prophet got down in a fetal position and began to pray and he waited on the Lord for there to be rain. He says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He did not say he seen rain. And that is how you know once again your ears are being cultivated in the spirit is that you're able to hear things that others do not see. You're able to hear things that you yourself do not see in the natural. But you know that God has spoken. And you do not see it the first time. Elijah goes back the second time. He goes back the third time. He keeps telling his servant, go back, go back. I hear this sound of the abundance of rain. By the seventh time it appears. And seven represents completion. So his prayer was completed, but he persevered in it. He pressed in it. He pressed into what could have been the very thing that tempted him to retract in his prayer because he seen no manifestation of the, those answers in reality. You follow me? <clears throat> But, he says, when you pray, right? I forgot my train of thought. Oh, Jesus did not give all of his time to people. He could be found praying all night. And to the religious mindset, you will not understand why do you got to do that all night? Isn't there so much that, that could be asked and from that point forward? I, I, you know, there's nothing more to ask. Well, if you're thinking individually, perhaps. But if you're thinking globally, in all the needs of those that are, are in relationship to you and with you, you'll begin to find very, very uh, soon... That, oh Lord, there is so much to be prayed for. I cannot bear this burden. Oh Lord, would you take care of this? Will you help me? Will you solve this problem? Lord, my brother and my sister, they don't have enough money. Can you provide for them? Lord, I pray that by this week, you will supply their needs. Be specific. Be specific. See, some of you do not see any answers because you're not specific enough. You're so general that you don't know if the answers come or not. <clears throat> but he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. So what does hypocrisy have to do with prayer? Jesus could have been speaking about anything else, but yet he takes the time to focus in on hypocrisy. You know, the reality is that in America, I don't really find too much hypocrisy in prayer because we don't do it very much to begin with. Whereas in places like Africa or, or other, they tend to value this aspect. I mean, it's all permeated throughout a lot of their teachings. Because they're given more to spirituality than we in the West are. Or you can speak to the Chinese who live in persecution every hour. I assure you that prayer is their focal point. Because they need deliverance from wicked tyrants. And they're in peril every hour. So that if God does not deliver them, wherein lies their hope? 
You get what I'm saying? And so whatever's emphasized in a culture runs the risk of turning into a little ish, uh, turns into a thing of pride. That's where I got saved in a holiness church where a women's modesty was emphasized, men's modesty was emphasized. But what I began to notice creeping very subtly is this pride that I'm more holier than you. Do you see that? And so Jesus is, he's tackling the issue of hypocrisy in the place of prayer. And here's the reason why. He's, let's continue to read. He says, for they love praying... They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. <coughs> he is attacking wrong motives. At the heart of the issue, the reason that Jesus is tackling this is because if you have wrong motives, if you just want to be known as a, an anointed minister, or if you just want to be known as one who prays, then you're going to only cultivate a perspective in the minds of people, and that will be your reward in full. There's a little, a little applaud from others. Now, Jesus is not saying that you cannot pray before others Otherwise, he would be guilty of his very own teaching because he prayed before his disciples and he prayed for people, right? And he's saying, though, when you do pray, do not do it in order to be seen of people. In other words, we ought to check our motives. If our motives are, this is exactly why James tells us in the book of James, he says, you have not. Because you ask not. And even when you do ask and you do not receive, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. So what is the motivation of your heart? Say, Lord, I don't have a car. Oh yeah, do you just want to be in competition with the person who does? Lord, I don't have this education. Oh yeah, but... I don't have this degree, Lord. Okay, but what's where's your motives? Do you just want to earn a degree because you were told you were stupid all your life? And so you're going to prove to them that you're not? Lord, I, I want a husband or I want a wife. Okay, but are you even giving the Lord, who is your primary husband, his due attention? Or do you put him on the back burner? Do you put him to the side? Is he just an accessory to your keychain, but is not the main key to your life? So number one, I want us to, if, if for those of you that take notes, is motives. We must have pure motives. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Now, this is not saying once again that the only time that we can have valid prayers are when we pray in secret. Okay. 
Otherwise, me opening up in prayer, it's not heard. It's just invalid. God, God didn't hear. I prayed for no reason. Or when a demon is getting cast out, you're you're gonna pray for no reason. You got to go in some closet somewhere. Or you know, you're in a car full of people, and and you it appears as if you're gonna get a car accident. You can't call unto the Lord in that moment. You have to find a closet somewhere. So this isn't to be taken in some concrete literal way jesus is attacking the pride of men and saying that primarily your consciousness should be toward the lord in that secret place in other words we ought to be so intimate with the lord that we are cognizant and aware and motivated by god and god himself you know leonard ravenhill said this he says the secret to praying is praying in secret The secret of praying is praying in secret so that when time does come for you to pray for someone else or to pray behind a pulpit, it falls on its face and you don't know what to do because it hasn't become the overflow of your lifestyle. It must become the overflow of your life. I don't want to be filled to the brim. I want the overflow of God's power in my life. I want to be permeated. I want to spill over with the love and the fruits of Christ. So that when people walk around me, they know that I am reflecting the character of God. I'm sorry to say it, but we ought not to be sour-faced, lemon-sucking Christians. I know we all have our bad days. I know that we go through storms. I know we go through difficulties. But you ought not to be as cantankerous and, and bitter and ugly and, and as mean-spirited as some of these people in the world, man. Because whenever you open up your mouth for Christ, you've already lost credibility to those people you seek to save. I understand we're not perfect. But I don't think God is looking for perfection neither the world. People just want to know, are you real? There's a difference. Just because you've made a mistake, just because you've sinned, doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is characterized by a life of double mindedness, and there is no single point of reference. Who are you? Is the question people ask hypocrites who, who are you? And when it is discovered that you're not walking in line and consistent, then they're very surprised because you're a master manipulator. The world is sick of fakeness, man. You, they, they can act like they're not, but they are. They're double-crossed in, in jobs. They're double-crossed in the world by their own friends. And they're tired of it. They're looking for what is real. <clears throat> you know, I posted on my Facebook just recently. I said, you know, there's certain people that may not believe what I believe, that don't go to church, but one thing I know, and this isn't said in pride, but I say it because I'm confident in knowing who I am. I said, but one thing they cannot say is I'm fake. 
And it's not an image thing. It's not a, I'm going to die if you think I am. But it's a matter of, I know who I am. And I know that there's a lot of people in the world that have respect for me in my hometown because they know I don't, uh, I don't half step. I'm in it for real. When I turn my back on the world and I turn my back on all that other stuff, I did it for real. And I remember when I was up in the juvenile hall, I told one of the gang members, I said, you know what, bro? I'm probably more down for Christ than you are for your own set. I don't need a gang. I'm down for Christ and I'm willing to die. Whether my life comes in shambles and I don't have to defend myself. And he was stunned. Uh, he said, so if someone rolls up on you with a gat, they point it in your head and said, deny Christ. You, you're telling me you won't? I'm saying yes, because he is that real. He's not a figment of my imagination. I'd rather choose death before dishonor, death before disloyalty. Christ is my life. Amen. And it's not because, oh, I'm such a strong person. It's like because of what Peter said, to whom shall I go? There's nowhere to go. He's the only meaning. He's the only reason for why I exist. He's opened my eyes to reality and for why I have been called when I've been born in my mother's womb before I was even fashioned and formed. The Bible says that he already had a plan for me. He predestined me for, for greatness in Christ. When I say greatness, I'm not talking about being some bestseller or being on the top list, but greatness in this sense is that the world is trash, but in Christ I have found meaning and purpose and significance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't lift my voice for theatrics. I've said this before. It's a living reality. In fact, sometimes I have to stuff my face in the pillow when I'm shouting my head off before the Lord, lest my neighbors think I'm, they need to call the cops or something. <laughs> Because it's just, God is real. He's real to me. <clears throat> and when His power and His peace comes upon me, it, it is the treasure of, of my heart. And it should be the treasure of our hearts. <clears throat> but He said, but Jesus says, um, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or as some translation says, re will reward you in open. <clears throat> See, the reason people are not blessed openly because they don't pray secretly. See, you know, the interesting thing is people... They start from the position of publicity. They want to see, want to be seen publicly... But you know they're living in humiliation in secret. Because they know it's all a front. But those who have who kneel before God in secret are blessed by him openly. Are blessed in him by him in public. And people will begin to say, "Yo, where'd you get that at?" 
or man, you really got, people are going to begin to compliment you. See, when you, and it's not that we look for compliments. Our light ought to shine before men so that they may glorify our Father in heaven. So that if no one ever compliments us on our attitude, our outlook in our life, or how much joy we have, or peace, or hope we have, then there is something wrong. You're not being rewarded in the open. And once again, I want to say on the side, it's not the case that we don't go through things because we do. But in the midst of all that storm, the people ought to see that there's an anchor that's keeping you. And it's not self-help, it's not self-talk, it's not positive confession, it's not chakras, it's not candles, it's not, it's not, none of that stuff. How are candles going to deliver you? How will crystals deliver you? It is impotent. It has no power. Your God is only carried in your pocket, but I know a God that fills the whole universe and he wants to bless us. The heavens cannot contain the entire cosmos and all the vastness of the galaxies are insufficient to contain the one who's an uncontainable. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient, omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's maximally powerful. Precisely why he is referred to as almighty. He has all might. Think about that. You know, think about it in the natural. Think about how one has might in the natural. For example, Mike Tyson. I mean, the dude is an intimidating guy. Because he has power. Right? I would not get in the ring with the guy. I mean, I don't even care if someone pays me a million dollars. That's going to go to medical expenses. Because there's... You get what I'm saying? Like, that's some bad medical... That's some... I'm going to go in debt... With, with finances. I mean, say what you want, but I, I mean, I kind of love my health. I, You know what I mean? I kind of love being able to see out of both my eyes and stuff. <laughs> I love being able to breathe without having a broken nose. <clears throat> but that is in the natural. He is limited in might, no matter how powerful he is in boxing. But God is almighty. He has all might. He has all power. So a good question is this. If that is in fact the case, why do you want to rely on your own might? And the, the Spirit of God is saying that there's some of you in this group, and I, I feel the unction as I'm saying this, you rely too much on yourselves. And you are frustrated. You live in exhaustion. And yet your stubbornness refuses to submit to the mighty hand of God to lift you up in due time. How many times are you going to have to run in front of that wall to knock your head to realize this is not working? Because you know why? God is more stubborn about his will than you are about his, about yours. And when I say stubborn, I don't mean it in the way that we're stubborn. I mean, he is insistent. There's no budging. He's not moving. Do you see that? 
Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> <clears throat> so he says, <clears throat> when you pray, do not keep on babbling. <laughs> I, I can't help but laugh because there's there's some of you sisters here from Hungary. It's a, there's a little saying that they have. It's a, what are you babbling about, you little string? <laughs> I learned it. It's Mitsubox <laughs> Kishpatak. I'm probably butchering. <laughs> was that good? Or am I butchering the pronunciation? <laughs> it was good. Um. <clears throat> But I wanted to address this because what Jesus here is saying, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. In the KJV, it says, it, 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 it phrases it this way, vain repetitions. So now what you got to understand is that just a little bit of English for you. I'm not going to bog you down with all these grammar rules. or. But there's something called an adjective. An adjective is a descriptive word. It, quali- it, it gives you a description of a thing that we're talking about. So the thing we're talking about are repetitions. But the adjective vain is, is, is connected to the repetition. So it gives you insight into what sort of repetitions here we're talking about. And the, the ones that Jesus is disapproving of are the ones that are vain. They are empty. And you got to understand is that there were pagan religions. You find this in, I believe, First Kings or it might be Second Kings with Elijah the prophet and the prophets of Baal were just chanting all night saying the same things. And Elijah mockingly says, you know what? I think this God of yours, he's not hearing you. He's probably going using the restroom or something. He's relieving himself. I think you might got to shout louder. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you're not cutting yourself deep enough. Because... They cannot save. They cannot save. And you know, I want to just say this. <clears throat> um, I know. I know a brother, um, a pastor. Uh, he lives not too far from me. He knows a brother personally. I'm sure you guys know his name, John Ramirez. Um, he was an ex-Satanist, right. and. And he talked about how he would pray to demons. But they ended up turning on him. And you got to keep performing and their power is limited. And one of the things he said is that he would have to uh, uh, um, 
accomplish things in the spirit realm for them to be manifested in the physical. And so he would astral project out of his body, as scary as this might sound to some of you, and he would go into the spirit realm to call down curses so that it may manifest in the natural. But one of the things he said he could not as a Satanist, no matter how many things he sacrificed, he could not penetrate where praying believers on a praying corner, praying in the spirit. Because we have the shelter and the fortress of Almighty God. And there is no match. Jesus is matchless and invincible in battle. The Bible describes him in the Psalms as the Lord of Heaven's armies. The Lord of Heaven's armies. In the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, when it's describing Sennacherib, the king, it parallels to the book of Chronicles. There's an angel that appears that annihilates over 100,000 soldiers. A single angelic being accomplished that much. But we come to no angelic being. We come to no dead saints. We come and we pray to the living God. So what can God Almighty, who's invincible in battle, who's the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, who knows no end, who has lost no battle, what can he do for you and I? I hope that your hearts are being stirred up by faith. Because this is our inheritance as the Church of Jesus Christ. The reason why our communities are uh, failed to be impacted. The reason why there is no change. The reason why there is no victory. Is because we have lost the art of being a prayerful people. That is precisely why. I assure you. We have been called to rule and take dominion by prayer. From A to Z. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I believe with all my heart. That the church is not greater than its prayer life. We have much fashion. Little passion. Much playing and few praying. If we fell here. We fell everywhere. My life stands or falls. On this one key principle. Do I seek the Lord with all my heart. The reason why I haven't backslidden once in my 10 years going on 11 isn't because I'm such a wonderful man. It is because I've clung a hold to the Lord in the place of prayer saying, God, deliver me, strengthen me, empower me, and fill me, comfort me, console me, counsel me, guide me. I don't know where to go or where to turn. Is the in the richness of of our relationship with God, the richness of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where I will believe His words more than yours. Do you see that? That that is possible. I have known times where someone will lie to my face and the Holy Spirit say they're lying. And I'm like, I don't... And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they can blap their mouth all they want, but I know what the Lord is telling me. 
He's putting a check in my heart and say, watch out for them. And sure enough, give it some time. I've seen, oops, there they go. <clears throat> or the Lord say, that person ain't genuine. Watch out for them. A couple of months later, something catastrophic happens. I'm not saying I see everything in the spirit. No single person does. But the Lord, the more you grow closer with the Lord in intimacy, the more he can entrust you with his heart. <clears throat> but if you don't give him the time of day to listen to what he is saying, then how will you grow in the spirit? How will you grow? The Bible tells us in Jude that the that praying builds us up in our most holy faith. You must understand that if you're going to be spared, look. If I were to tell you today, right? If I, let's say if all of you knew construction, and I supplied all the materials for you, I say build your house how you want. How will you begin its construction? You're going to build a little rinky-dink shack? Or are you going to give a lot of time and a lot of effort to fortifying this, securing it, compacting it, and constructing it to your liking? Obviously, as long as it, as it aligns with what God will permit for you to build. But my point in using that analogy is to say this. You have an option. You have the availability. You have the invitation. Nay, you have the command from God himself to build your house. But how are you building it? And you build it by prayer. Do you see that? <clears throat> so, Amen. you know, kind of that old story, right? With the wolf where he's going to huff and puff and blow your house down. What are you constructing it? Are you going to construct it with straw? Wood, hay, precious stone, gold? But let me tell you this, it's more difficult to come by gold. You don't just stumble across gold. It's a rare commodity. It takes searching and seeking and diligence. When other people are playing around, you are sacrificing and praying. You are building a house with the construction of gold. But ah, when the years come down the line and when all the people are being exposed for who they really are and everything is burnt up, they're going to say in agony, ah, I wish I would have just waited and built and built, kept building that ark, building that ark. When people are mocking and laughing and saying, oh, you're 30 years old, you're 40 years old now, you ain't got nothing to show for your life, where's your ministry, where's God moving? It's because you're waiting in the secret place and you're building up and accumulating snow in the avalanche and eventually it's going to compile and compile to where it can harness no more and it comes thrusting down in your life and it's filled with blessings. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so number one, our motives 
be it, pay attention to that. Um, but vain repetitions. Let me let me just quickly turn here. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter twenty six, verse forty two through forty four, let me show you from the scriptures that repetitions are not bad because I've heard people say, you know. You just got to say it and forget it, take it by faith, pray for it one time. And that's not how the Lord instructs us to do this thing. So Jesus, on the one hand, is prohibiting. He's saying vain repetitions are bad. Repetitions that are empty. It, it has no substance. There's no... I've heard one man say it this way. You can repeat yourself as long as you mean it as much as you did originally the first time. Some things you do not get answered because you offer no repetition. Apply that logic to going to the gym. Just lift, do one curl, do one little bench press. No repetition. You're going to get nowhere. You're wasting your time. Just cancel that gym membership, bro. For real, just... Or... or I'm not going to beat a dead horse with that analogy. You guys get the point. But in Matthew chapter 26, verse 42 through 44, this is what the word of the Lord reads. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And that means olive crush. The oil is figurative for the anointing. But the anointing will not flow in your life until you're crushed in the place of prayer. You're disciplined in that place. You know, I heard one man say when he was asked, what is the anointing? He says, I don't know, but I know when I'm not preaching with it. And I know when others aren't. He, Jesus, went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So, I'll get to the point. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. So there are those repetitions, but they are not vain. They're meaningful and they come from a heart full of substance and faith. But do you know what this text also suggests? That being tired is not an excuse for you not to be praying. It says their eyes were heavy. How many times has the Lord drawn you to the place of prayer and you say, oh, I'm tired? The devil don't care. In fact, he loves the fact that you're tired. He, in fact, his desire is to get you tired. There's this old acronym, it's HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Right? Because he knows when you're tired, you're not thinking straight. You're cranky. But, as, as it has been said of one man in time past, he says, the kingdom of God are built on tired men. 
every CEO, every lawyer, every person in the world that has anything to show for their life are because they are people of tiredness. They're people of fatigue. They're people who have continued to labor and plow and plow and plow and plow and labor and work until they actually achieve what they have laid themselves to do. And it takes a long time. I've been in college since 2017, and it's been a long time. There's been pressing of my mind, straining of my mind, studying in the, the midnight hour when other people are enjoying their pillows. But you know what? One thing is this. I'm accumulating compound interest by my initial investments, and it will not be long until I finally reap the reward of the benefit. But let me ask you this question. Is what compound interest are you accumulating in the place of prayer when you don't see anything? You keep praying. There are no results, but you keep plowing. You keep pressing. And eventually God honors those prayers and finally grants you the request of your lips. Amen, bro. And he is faithful to do it. He is faithful to do it. He's faithful. <clears throat> little by little by little, you acclimate to greater blessing, greater re receiving of investments that you've made. All the promises of God find their amen in Jesus Christ. Man, what an exploration! What an adventure to explore the depths and the promises of God in the Holy Scriptures and say, Oh Lord, what have you promised me? Let me pray about that, that I may receive it, because it finds its amen, or let it be, in Jesus Christ. What richness, right? We are not called to be an impoverished group of people. I don't care what your theology is. Here's the thing. Paul says, I know what it is to have abundance. I'm not preaching some false prosperity gospel. That they love money. That's the, but what I'm saying is this, is that you are kingdom minded. So you have all kingdom resources backing you in all of your efforts and endeavors. There's no reason why we should be impoverished with power, impoverished with resources, impoverished with open doors. We ought to be rich in all of these different avenues. <clears throat> Amen? So sometimes, see, here's the thing. The pagans think they are heard for their many words. That's what the text says. We offer many words because we are heard. Do you see that? The pagans offer many words. They, they offer many words because they think in the many words they're heard. But the Christian knows they're heard. And so therefore they offer many words.
It's the way of thinking. It is your paradigm. It is your mindset. So he, here's, I want to get to the crux of the matter here. And so what I'm teaching you are principles. Principles in prayer. You must apply them. See, let, let me say this. Let me say this prophetically. Some of you are so lacking in joy. You are lacking in joy. And you know why? Because prayer is not your priority. It just isn't. How can I say that? I can say that because Jesus said this. Here, uh, he says, by the, he says by, I'm paraphrasing. By this time you, ask, you have asked nothing in my name. But he says, ask in my name to the Father that your joy may be to the full. Right? To the full. Not partial. To the full. But what is that based on? Our asking in his name. <clears throat> oh Father, I pray, help me, Lord. I pray, open the hearts of your people. It says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. See, here's the thing. Jesus is saying, your Father knows. But this is no excuse for a fatalist mindset. It's no excuse to say, oh, well, my, my God knows. My Father knows, therefore I'm not going to even ask. He says He knows before you ask. It did not say He grants before you ask. It's that in the asking, I know he already knows. And so there's this element of intimacy. For example, when I see the facial expression of my son, I know when he's afraid. I know when he's uncertain. Even before he articulates what it is that he's experiencing, he may not even be able to find language for what he's experiencing. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is so gracious. The Bible tells us in Romans that even when we are unable to express with words what it is that we need, it is through the groaning that the Holy Spirit translates that into a language that is uh, receptive to God. A lot of times people have thought that that text is referring to tongues. It's not referring to tongues. It says it cannot be expressed by language. Tongues is a language, nonetheless, whether understood by men or not. The fact is this, is that when you groan and you cannot even express to the Lord what it is that you're needing, there are instances where God translates that into a prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. He did not say, this then is how you should recite this prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. In other words, he's offering us principles as an outline to dictate how we can pray effectively to, we, to where we actually gain results. Here's what he says in verse 9 in the second, in the second clause. He says this, our Father. Our Father. 
Now that statement right there is a mouthful and the, it can be unpacked and unpacked and unpacked. And this could have been the last thing in Jesus' teaching on prayer, but is the first thing. He says the way in which... He could have said, address him as, O Holy Sovereign. O Majestic One that inhabits eternity. Or, O El Shaddai. But no, he says, Our Father. Our Father. See... And this is at this point where I believe some of you will receive healing. Because the Lord wants to give you the revelation of His fatherhood. Specifically related to praying. Some of you are working at a deficit Because all that should have been laid up for you and all that should have been taught you and all all the ways that you should have been treated has not been extended to you because of either your absence of a father or the presence of an abusive one. Some of your fathers have been so dang hard on you, you don't know what it is to have confidence in the fatherhood of God. Sad to say, I remember when I was a little boy, I had no confidence to ask my my father anything. Because there was a reluctance. See, the, the, the true test of your fatherhood isn't that you're able to produce offspring, but it is the willingness of the heart to give all of yourself to that son or daughter of yours. To invest, to to lay up. That's why Paul says it is not the children who ought to lay up for the parents, but the parents ought to lay up for the children. And some of you are working at a deficit. Some of you are still in financial straits and financial difficulties. Some of you uh, were not taught how to be a man. Some of you uh, ladies, even in middle age, We're not given attention from your father. And so as a result, there are some complexes. And don't minimize it and say it's psychological rubbish stuff. This is very real stuff. And it really impacts the way that we are formed as people. And you can try to downplay it and minimize it. But it may just in fact reveal your blindness to how the relationship with your father has impacted you into the present day. Because of the presence of an abusive father in my life, it led me to anger. It led me to frustration. It led me to sell drugs at 15 years old, selling drugs for a gang and and accumulating money and pushing drugs just so I can get stuff that I never had. And I was willing to risk my life for it. But it began with the seeds of destruction that the devil sowed when there was no compatibility, no strength, no intimacy, no friendship, no confidence, no security in the place of my relationship with my earthly father. 
You can say, oh, it was victim mentality. Oh, yeah, but you're still to blame. But you know what? Do not minimize the reality and the relationship of those who are older and know more and wrongly steer those who are younger. Jesus says this, it is better for them to tie the millstone around their neck and cast it into the uttermost parts of the sea than for them to cause one of these little ones to stumble. But you know what? In some of our cases, they have done more than cause us to stumble. They have caused us havoc. They have betrayed us. They have let us down. They've been too hard on us. They didn't lay up anything for us. They were self-centered. And you had to defend for yourself. You had to work for yourself. And here's the thing. That Christians ought not to work themselves to the bone. You have a God that you can rely on. Who will graciously give you all those things that the fa- that your earthly father has lacked to give you. And this is what lead kids to gangs. This is what lead uh, uh, middle-aged people to frustration. This is what leads them to bitterness and being cynical because they had to do for themselves all their lives. And But you know what it does? It doesn't produce a grateful heart. It doesn't produce a heart full of gratitude. It doesn't produce a heart full of grace because you had life so dang hard and so unfair. But you know what? The blessing is this. You're a child of God. So God's blessing of you ain't fair. You are highly favored. He favors you and you and you. He favors you, Malachi. He favors you, Kezron. He favors you, Daniel. He favors you, Estella. He favors you, Mariah. He favors you, Yari. He highly favors you. So there's 10 qualified people and he says, mm, I'm, I'm picking out my son. Why? It ain't fair. I favor him. Grace. Grace. You're in a royal family. A holy priesthood. You don't have to work so dang hard. And bend your back over backwards. Because God wants to give to you. You don't earn anything by wages. Prayer is a transaction of gift giving. All we ask is your heart. There is a sense of endearment as we come to the Lord as Father. The Bible says in Psalm 103, As the Lord, as a son has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I'm going to say that again. Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his son, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He lays up for you. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 15, it says, For we have not received a spirit of fear, but we have received a spirit of sonship, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
right? We, we can cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba in the Aramaic is the word, uh, the, the word Abba is Aramaic. And it speaks with regards to a sense of endearment, a sense of intimacy. The closest thing I can think of is the word daddy. And yet this high and lofty God, he grants you and I the wonderful invitation to address him as father. And so some of you, see, here's the thing. We can approach the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. You don't have to be afraid. Some of you were afraid to ask for your mother or your father things because you got, they didn't have enough money. Or even if they did, they just didn't give a rip about you. They were so stingy, always thinking about self. They wanted to buy themselves the latest Gucci bag, or they wanted to buy themselves the latest sneakers. But yet, meanwhile, you're looking, you're looking all like uh, uh, um, poorly dressed or whatever it is. But those things matter. Those things matter to God. They do. The Lord clothes you. He feeds us. I want you guys to turn your attention really quickly to Matthew 7, verse 7. And he says this, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? <clears throat> he says, though you earthly fathers, even though you may be evil. See, a man can be a murderer. And murder another man's life. Take another man's life. They can be a vicious gang member, ruthless, straight thug. And yet when they come home to their son, he's protected and he's cared for. And so what God is doing is eliciting confidence in your heart to look to the pagans as an example that though they are evil... Here you have the Father of lights who is perfect in grace. So you can have all that you need. You have that protection. You have provision. He will care for you. See, you know, the interesting thing is Jesus didn't even point to the law to to communicate a point to you. He pointed to the world. It says, look at how they interact with their children. You know, I remember when I was younger, my dad was a big, stocky dude. He was a fighter in the world. And um, and I had a lot of, you know, there wasn't much confidence I had, but one confidence that I did know is someone was picking on me as a little boy. My dad was, my dad was going. Like, he, he was going to... Like, he was going to let you know what's up. And I remember some dudes, 
they're like five kids <clears throat> and they're probably like teenagers and uh, they said something and then my dad said what little punks and then he he started walking towards them and they jetted off <laughs> they jetted off because my dad was a really intimidating guy and um but that was one of the things is if you if you uh as as flawed as he was no one was gonna lay a hand on me <laughs> what are you babbling about little streams <laughs> but here's the thing god is jealous over you god is jealous over you my brothers and sisters <clears throat> and you need that revelation of God's fatherhood because it's only that revelation let me assure you that is enough to drive sin from your heart to give you a sense of security and protection a sense of satisfaction of life <clears throat> See the attributes of God's wrath and God being you know all these that 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 doesn't edify our heart. It may edify our heart when we think about the fact that God inflicts justice upon the wicked, but remember that as lofty as God is, as powerful as God is, as invincible as he is, as distant as he is, and distinct from all of humanity, do not be mistaken that he nonetheless condescends to your lowly positions, and he has a sense of, of relationship with you as his father. And the Bible says that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things, not some things, he, and it's not to say that he will merely give and give with reluctance. He will give and he will give graciously. So my brothers and sisters, the avenue through which you obtain all of that, obtain grace, obtain favor, obtain joy, obtain provision, obtain jobs, obtain the correct person in marriage is, oh Lord, my father. It is close as the request of petitioning before him and saying, Father, I need you. God, I can't make it without you. Lord, I'm distressed. Lord, I'm perplexed. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, I've been betrayed. Lord, I'm, I'm suffering from this sin. Lord, deliver me, O oh Father. Hallelujah. Father, Father, Father. You want to see children very afraid? Let them think that they lost their parents. They will grow frantic. They will be afraid. <clears throat> you know, when my son's afraid of dark or whatever, of the dark, you know, he's a little boy, I said, Daddy's here, I'm not going to allow anything to happen to you, and he's assured, he's assured, you 
The devil wants to ransack your life. But your father cares. Your father loves you. You know, we, we got some bad, we got people portraying God to be some, I don't know. But God is our Father. We have not received a spirit of slavery, but we've received a spirit of sonship. You are sons and daughters. You can cry to Him with confidence and say, Father. <clears throat> say oh lord you, you might be saying to yourself man I, I i lack a lot i i i don't have all that i need life is hard life is so hard you know in my earlier years i used to i i used to wrestle in my mind and think to the think to the, the about the fact that um when I was a young man, I got saved. Well, I was 17 when I got saved. But when I turned a young man at 18 and all the responsibility rested on my shoulders, I had an entire life where I was showing nothing. And I had to learn everything myself. And it was hard. But I began to realize that the solution, the answer to the solution wasn't that I needed to try harder. It was that I would trust in the gracious hand of my Father to teach me, to show me, to lead me, Amen. to guide me, to help me. Say, so, Lord, I can't pass this exam. Lord, I don't even got the money for this. That's okay. Let me graciously give. And see, this is what will prevent you from bitterness because some of you are looking to the hands of people, looking to the hand of relatives, and they fail. And that's where frustration and your gears keep grinding because they keep failing you. But God will not fail. He will make sure that one way or another he's going to get something to you. If it's some random neighbor knocking on your front door and say, I don't know what in the world I'm thinking, but if I just keep having this pressing thought that I need to give you $100. I don't know why. Or the businessman says, you know what? I don't normally give someone a chance to this. Or he's a broker or a banker or an investor and says, you know what? I don't normally do this. I'm betraying my own code of ethics. But for whatever reason, I have this crazy trust in you. God is able to orchestrate everything in his life sovereignly with uh, pinpoint precision details to work in your favor. Everything. And he wants to. If God didn't want you to, why would he command you to? Why would he say, ask of me? This is where, this is where, and we're, we're almost coming to a close. This is why he's so jealous when people go to other gods. Because he says, I reign on the just and the unjust alike. And you're going to go and ask these foreign deities that do not care for you? Or you're going to go consult with mediums or, 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 or palm readers? 
Or you're going to fend for yourself? You're going to trust in yourself as God? Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I care for you? Don't you know that I can bless you exceeding abundantly above all that you may ask or think? The fatherhood of God. And it's this lack of revelation that will lead you to a stagnant life of prayer. Because you don't really believe God cares that much about you. But here's the next point, and we're coming to a close here shortly, is our Father in heaven. So, someone on earth, it might be easier for you to ask, because they're tangible, you can see them. But his spatial location is in heaven. So what that means is this, you got to have faith to connect into that. Because you can't see, we walk by faith and not by sight. For it is without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, For them that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. See, but here's the thing. It's not like a job. I punch in an hour and then God gives me my wages. Everything God gives is a gift, not wages. You don't earn it. You simply ask for it and then extend your hands. So what is it that you need? You need to get into a job? Do you need to get... Are you waiting for the Lord to bless you with the right spouse in marriage? Are you waiting for the day of the Lord to fill you with joy, to fill you with confidence, to conquer fear? Be assured that God wants to accomplish that for you. He does. He does. But will you believe? And will you ask? Because God will not violate your own volition of will. And here's the thing. Just because the Lord knows you need something doesn't mean you will ask for it. The Lord knew that the man that he was passing by who was blind, he knew that he was without sight. But it wasn't until he asked, Lord, give me sight. He says, have mercy on me, son of David. He says, what will you want me to do for you? He says, I want to see. And just because everyone got a need doesn't mean that they want to uh, uh, be, they want their needs solved. The man at the gate of beautiful, when he was asking of alms, he wasn't asking for sight. And he was blind too. So though the Lord is your father and knows what you have need of, there are some things that you will not get your needs satisfied because you do not ask. So come to him with confidence. Come to him with confidence. Here's the last clause in verse 9. It says, hallowed be your name. So there is a sense of reverence. There is a sense of reverence and respect and honor as you come before the Lord. You don't come to Him flippantly. You don't come to Him 
with lightness. You come to him with a sense of, of understanding that you're coming before the all-dignified one. And they do coexist. That while he is um, worthy of all honor as king, he is your father. He is. <clears throat> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> what is the Lord working for every single day? His kingdom. So what does that mean? If you are kingdom minded, you have God's backing. You have his full backing to do whatever needs to get done. Whatever. You might say, that's too good to be true. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire in prayer, ask, and you will receive. <clears throat> so here's a good question for us. I think the Lord makes a very, very compelling case, a very, very persuasive case that we have no reason to not give ourselves to this time of prayer. So why is it that we do not ask? Or why is it that the life of prayer is so unattractive? Could it be because the devil up until this time has deceived you? Could it be because you haven't been asking right this entire time? Or could it be that you don't even ask because you don't believe it will happen? <clears throat> but the Lord wants to begin to heal your hearts. He wants to provide you with the revelation of the love of the Father. What is God's idea of fatherhood? Here's how you know. Look at the story of the prodigal son. The son made a mess of his life. And yet the Bible says that the father, he stood at a long distance. Why was he standing? You know why? Because he was awaiting for the return of his son. And after his son squandered all his life, all his inheritance on prostitutes and riotous living. The, but when he came thus to himself, he says, how many of my father's hired servants are more well off than me? He's saying people who are mere servants in my father's house is better than me who, who I'm living in the world. He says, I will go back to my father and say, I'm unworthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. But you know what the father does? He bypasses that. He doesn't want his son to be a servant. Yes, we're servants of the Most High, but primarily He wants that connection with you as son and as daughter. And it says the Father's heart welled up with compassion, and He began to run to His Son, and He embraced Him. Remember, he's impoverished, he's disheveled, he probably hasn't taken a shower, he got no food in his belly. He longed to feed his uh, stomach with the pods, uh, the, the, the pig pods. And, yet, and he also slept around with prostitutes, so he smells. 
And yet that did not prevent the father from going to him and embracing him, saying, let us rejoice for my son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, let us rejoice. Nothing in my house is, is, is out of the question of using for a celebration from this newfound life for my son that was living in destruction. But now he has come into the protective care of the father who loves and longs for him. Loves and he longs. He longs for you. The Father's heart longs for you. He longs for communion with you. He loves to show himself mighty and endeared to you. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for healing, Lord, in our hearts. Those of us, Lord God, that have longed to be cared and to be nurtured and to be loved by a father. God, for some of us that have had it so hard, Lord. And our hearts, Lord, are tempted to be hard. God, I pray, just begin to soften it. Begin to soften it, Lord God. Dissipate every single fear. Some of us have had hard lives, oh Lord. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> you want to make all things new. You want to make all things new. You want to soften those hearts that have been dried up by the heat of the day. You want to soften them, Lord. Bring healing, Lord, to every heart, I pray. Reveal your fatherhood, Lord. Reveal your fatherhood. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray against every single person that is dealing with nightmares, and 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 uh, uh, traumatic uh, pictures in their mind of things that have happened in the past. They're grown adults, but they feel like little children crying out in silence. God, I pray, bring healing. Bring healing. Jesus wants to make you whole. You know what the answers to this prayer are secured by? By the bleeding side of the Savior. By His death. There are nail marks in the hands of Jesus. And yet bloody, they are very gentle. And they come to nurture you. There's healing in the Father's wings. God wants to show himself mighty and strong on your behalf. We exalt you, Lord. We know it's true. Your word says it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
The Holy Spirit is here and He's ministering to your hearts. I just pray right now that you begin to cry out all the pain. Begin to cry out all the pain. All the worry, all the doubt. Holy Spirit, we pray, minister. Reveal the Father's love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. <clears throat> we worship your holy and precious name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Just let the tears flow. Let the tears flow. Don't be ashamed. He bottles every tear. He bottles every tear. He hears every cry. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just come, Lord, in a close. <clears throat> we come to a close, Lord, and I just ask that that the love of God would be shed abroad in the heart of the by the Holy Spirit, in the heart of every saint of yours, of every child of yours. God, lift them up out of their pits. Lift them up, O oh Lord, out of depression. Lift them up out of anxiety. Lift them up out of fear. Lift them up out of distress. Lift them up, Lord. Lord, you come as a deliverer. You come as a father. You come as savior. You come as anointed one. You come as Messiah. Lord, so I just declare and pray for blessing over their lives right now in Jesus' mighty name. Every door that has remained closed, Lord, we pray will begin to open. Lord, everything that they have been longing for, Lord, I pray they would receive by you, Lord, by your gracious hand in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that there would be no more setbacks. I pray that there would be no more frustration. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you fill their hearts Lord God, with peace. Hallelujah. I pray for those that are uh, wanting to become teachers. Lord, I pray that you would grant them, Lord, their heart's desires. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray for those that are short in money, Lord God. I pray supply their needs, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for those that are in uh, toxic relationships, Lord. Cut them out of their lives. And Father, may you assure their hearts that you have someone better. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Jesus' mighty name. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 